Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us and showing us the way of salvation in your Son. Teach us through your word and equip us for every good work, for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning's verse is from Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 48. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do you, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is, it is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will, preach, will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Good morning. Uh, let's pray before we open God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us and you've shown us that love in Jesus' death and resurrection. We pray that as we think of Christ's resurrection and apply it to our own lives, you would fill our hearts with hope. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this weekend is a very special weekend, isn't it? Uh, hopefully you've been celebrating VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, at a time uh, uh, 75 years ago of great hope where people danced and swam in the fountains in Trafalgar Square and were seen kissing under the Eiffel Tower. But that hope has dwindled, hasn't it? In the last seven or eight weeks, we've all gone to the news at 6 p.m. and 10 a.m. We all listen to Radio Ulster to find out how many people have died. We weep. Our hearts lose hope because we're growing ever closer to 30,000 people dying in the United Kingdom. It's heartbreaking and it's devastating for those who have lost loved ones and friends because we don't know when it's going to end. That's the scary part. Second waves and more social distancing seem to be what's coming down the line. Yes, it's as if all the hope has leaked out of our bucket. Yes, we get little pictures of hope with a hand clapping for key workers and boy, don't they deserve it. And we respect what Captain, sorry, Colonel Tom and his 99 walk back and forth in his garden at his nursing home has done and how much money he's raised. We cling on to those things so tightly. But this morning, I want to speak of a greater hope even than VE Day. A hope that is not a 75 years hope ago, but a hope 
that can be yours even this morning. And it's interesting that over these last few weeks, we've been looking for hope. It's the right thing to do. But maybe we've been looking for it in the wrong place. Because as we read the end of Luke's gospel this morning, and thank you to Maya for reading so well, we need to see that it isn't some fairy, happy-go-lucky, all will be right in the end, fingers crossed, hope it'll all work out. Luke's going to show us evidence for hope. Because there is real evidence for real hope. But the issue is, are we going to study it? Because look at what Luke wants to show to us this morning. As we focus on the risen Christ, we see him do a number of things. The first of all is as Jesus meets with his disciples, he opens their eyes. Jesus opens his disciples' eyes and he needs to because no one thinks that Jesus is going to rise again. They're hopeless. Did you see that? If you've been with us, uh, you'll have seen from the start of Luke 24, the women head to the tomb to anoint the dead body. They don't think they're going to see a risen Jesus. They're going to anoint a dead body. Even when they find the tomb empty, they don't say, Hallelujah, Jesus is alive. When someone, when they see someone, they say, have you stolen the body? And they need to remind them that Jesus would rise. The angel meets them, tells them, and then they meet with the risen Jesus themselves. And then they go and tell the other disciples, but do you see the hearing they get? Just turn back to Luke 24, verse 11. Have a little look at what is said there. It says, the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Well, look, what we need to get is that the women, the disciples, they weren't gullible. They weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. They were hopeless. And then there's Cleopas and his, command, uh, his, his companion heading back on that road to Emmaus, seven miles down the road from Jerusalem. And Jesus, unbeknownst to them, comes alongside and he notices that their faces are downcast, their spirits are low. He asks them, what's up with you two? And they say, verse 18, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? And he tells them how Jesus had been executed and crucified. Look at verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They're saying to Jesus, but we know better now. It's game over. No hope. And it takes a long walk and a long Bible study. And they're breaking of bread. And whether it's the scars, we don't know. But they now see that they've been talking to Jesus all along. And they head back to Jerusalem. A reverse journey more than physically. Uh, they've been a reverse journey spiritually as well. And they get the disciples. And that's where our passage begins. So let's look at it. Verse 36. While they, the, this is Cleopas and his friend, were still talking about this. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they rejoiced and they all said hallelujah and they believed and they went out to tell the gospel everywhere. No, actually, that's not what Luke says. Look at verse 37. They were startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost. 
a ghost. A ghost is a more conceivable idea than Jesus being alive. So he says to them, verse 38, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He says, touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. And when he had said this, verse 40, he showed them his hands and his feet. I'm real. Touch me. A ghost doesn't have this corporal body. And you'd think that would solve their doubts, wouldn't you? But they're still skeptical. Verse 41. And while they, were, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They still don't believe. I don't know what you make of this. I'm not sure logic helps us much here as we study this passage. Because I think this is a confusing mix of emotions. Loss. Fear, hopelessness, unbelievable, unbelief, shock, joy, hope, all of it going on at once. Because they've gone from hopelessness to it's too good to be true. I don't want to pinch myself because if I pinch myself, I might wake up out of this dream and find out that all my hope is completely shattered. It's like when an athlete They've done an amazing world record. And then before they've got their breath back, a journalist throws a microphone underneath their nose and asks them, well, how does it feel to be the world record holder? Most of them are exhausted trying to get their breath back. And you get the, I'm not sure it's actually sunk in yet. Perhaps by tomorrow I'll realize what I've done. Well, it's the same kind of scene here. So Jesus says, do you have any food? And they give him fish and chips. Well, actually, they don't have any chips there. They just give him some broiled fish. And he eats it, not because he's hungry. He eats it in their presence so that they can see him do it. So whatever is happening here, it's more than just Jesus, as some people say, say that the resurrection was just Jesus living on in the minds of disciples. No, this is physical. They could touch, they could see, they could smell. And as one by one their senses begin to work, their smell, their sight, the noise, the, the hearing, Jesus begins to work on another. He opens their minds. Did you see it in verse 45? He speaks to their minds. His concern is that they understand and are able to apply what his resurrection means, what the implications are if he is risen. But actually, this opening of eyes and minds happens all the way through Luke 24. Go back to verse 7, where the angels tell the women, remember that Jesus said while he was still with you in Galilee? They tell him, verse 7, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and the third day be raised again. And then on the road to Emmaus, Jesus takes Cleopas and his friends on a walk through the Bible. How it all points to Jesus and his resurrection, verse 25, and following. And he now does it again here in verse 44, where Jesus says to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled 
that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's a, a shorthand way, of, well, it's a longhand way of saying the Old Testament. It's all the Old Testament. He's told them this before. This is what I told you. And he hasn't just told them once, he's told them over and over and over again. But, you know, they never got it that time. The penny hadn't dropped. So if you feel you don't get it when you read the Bible, well, you're in good company. Have hope. Keep reading. Keep studying. Look at verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And then he shares with them. He says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He opened their mind by opening their Bibles. He would have told them about the Passover and the blood put on the doorposts. And he would have told them that he was the Passover lamb and that it was by his blood that he had saved his people. Or, or that he was the temple, the way to God. He would have said, you can only go through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We said, I am that goat that the people lay their hands on. And the sins of the people are transferred into it. The scapegoat that's driven out into the wilderness. He said, I'm the scapegoat. God placed the sin of my people upon me. Or he would have told them the story of Jonah in the belly of the fish three days. And then vomited out to dry land like one raised from the dead. Jesus would have said, I am that man of God. Passage after passage, he would have told them of God's king who had come with God's authority, Isaiah 9, verse 7, who would reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on forever. Yet a king with great compassion, a bruised reed he will not break, or a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. A king who faced immense suffering for his people, He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. King beaten, mocked, pierced on a cross. He would have taken them to Psalm 22. And each time Jesus would be saying, that's me. I was pierced for your sin. My clothes were divided. That's just what happened to me. And here he is, God's king pulling off God's rescue to bring in God's kingdom, heralding in God's new creation. And you see, because if this Messiah has come and God's kingdom has come, then even in the midst of this pandemic, we have hope. We have hope. We have hope instead of despair. We can look in the face of COVID-19 and say, yes, it's horrible, but we still have hope. You see, through Jesus' death and resurrection, it's not game over, it's game on. Because Jesus is alive again. Because Jesus is alive, we who are in Christ will live too even if we die.
It's only if we turn our backs on the Messiah and his kingdom that we're left to face the pain and hopelessness of COVID-19 on our own. You might say to me, well, we're 2,000 years on from Jesus' resurrection. His kingdom doesn't look like much, Brian. Well, that's true. But we talk about that, like that, about other things. Over this last while, I've been going on a fair few walks now. I know it doesn't show. I've still got a belly. Uh, but Lisa and I were just walking down Bambridge Road, and we noticed just some trees before you turn into Johnny's turn. And there were the buds starting to come out on the tree. We say that, don't we? We say, look, spring has come. There's a bud. There's a bud of green there. But it's got an awful lot of growing to do. Well, in the long wait for God's new creation, Jesus has one more thing to teach us. See, he's opened eyes and he's opened mind, but he also opens mouths. So when we actually grasp the truth of a risen Christ, our mouths open. We'll want to share this hope as we're doing this morning. Just look at the woman who told the apostles in verses 9 to 11. They, she, they run back. And even if they dismissed it as nonsense. Cleopas, when the penny had dropped, headed straight back those seven miles on the road he'd just been to Jerusalem. And it wasn't just get the 10,000 steps on his Fitbit or to close the circles on his Apple Watch. No. They say it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then Jesus appears among them. And you see the result of the resurrection of Jesus. This is where it heads. Look at verse 47. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Our second point, Jesus opened mouths. See, that's the shock here. Jesus speaks to his Jewish friends and he says, I'm your Messiah. That's the, the Jewish word for God's king. But look, if you read the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, is writing to a Greek reader, a guy called Theophilus. But Jesus in the Old Testament affirmed that Jesus is not just a Jewish Messiah. He's not just kept for the Jews. He's for you. He's for me. He's our Messiah. Whatever our background, whatever our our, our, our cultural baggage, Jesus is ours. And this pardon, this forgiveness of sins is our promise and our hope that through Jesus' death and resurrection, our sins, my sins, can be paid for. This repentance is our need and our command. Jesus is saying to you and to me today, repent. And find forgiveness of sins. Verse 48, you're a witness of these things. Jesus commissions the very people that Luke will consult in his research to write his gospel. Because if you can remember back to the first chapter of Luke, he says there in verse 2 that he is gone to the eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Here they are, the apostles. And Jesus says to these eyewitnesses, to whom he's explained his word, you are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit that's been promised in the Old Testament. And now with the church speaking out about the resurrection, it's job done. 
In the verses 50 to 51, Jesus ascends back to his father's side. Jesus opened mind and opened eyes. And he ascended into heaven to draw our world into his. I wonder, do you know that yet? Or are you like the disciples here at the start of our reading? You have the information, but when it comes to the Jesus story, you kind of know it all and you kind of know nothing. Maybe for some watching or even listening to this, that's your need for someone to open up the Bible with you so that Jesus can open your mind so that you can know hope. If that's you, phone me. 028-388-2169 or phone George 028-388-2511. We would be immensely happy to open the Bible with you. See, Jesus opens eyes and minds. But Jesus opened, also opened mouths. What's the primary evidence of the resurrection today? Well, it's a church preaching the gospel of repentance and forgiveness in Christ's name to all the world. Not just a social club, not just a place where we gather, not just a place where we sit in our jammies and watch it on Facebook or YouTube or even listen to it at our home, but a group of people who will share the gospel. And we need to stick our head above the parapet, especially at this time where people are hopeless. And all cost. It means losing friends, being mocked, losing influence. In some countries, it means that people lose their very lives. I remember listening to a former communist policeman he spoke about persecuting Christians. And he said what struck him wasn't that they were, weren't fearless. They, they were terrified. But in spite of that, they still spoke out, even in the midst of their fear. And he said to me, it's got to be true if they will speak out in the midst of their fear. What's the primary evidence that Jesus is alive? The church preaching the gospel of repentance and forgiveness in Christ's name to all the world. What's the primary evidence that the Spirit is working in our church? It's a church preaching the gospel of repentance and forgiveness in Christ's name to all the world. See, it can't be worth believing if it's not worth telling your friend. And actually, it goes further than our friends. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And we need to ask, I need to ask myself, I need to ask you, is my voice part of the church? Is your voice part of the church telling the gospel of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to hear it? For he's our only hope. And can we see that coronavirus cannot destroy this hope? Because Jesus has died and risen, he is hope, eternal hope. The Abba. Do you know him? Would you like to know him? May Christ open your eyes. Open your mind so you can see he is risen. And open your mouth so you can tell others. With Jesus' death and resurrection, it's not game over, it's game on. Game on. Jesus is alive and he can meet you today. You see, in the resurrection, we're reborn into a new hope. 
and it leaves and breathes with unshakable certainty. God began the resurrection project and he's gathering his people in and he will surely finish it. Here is the unshakable, true, eternal hope. Ask Jesus to open your heart, to open your eyes, to open your mind to his truth. Repent. Trust in Jesus and find forgiveness of sins. And then open your mouth to tell others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the solid truth of your Son, Jesus Christ's resurrection. We thank you for opening the eyes and minds and mouths of your disciples. And as we listen this morning to their account, help us to see real hope, sure and living hope, undying, game-changing hope. And as we look back to Jesus and through repentance and faith in him, forward to a new creation, where there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain, open our eyes and our minds to this hope that we might know Christ's presence and his victory. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donna Cluny Parish. God bless you.